You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. I'm often asked, where do you find the gospel presented in the Old Testament? Where do we hear the good news of the gospel of grace? The psalm that we're going to look at this morning, the psalm from David, Psalm 103, gives us, proclaims to us, the glorious message of the gospel. David, as you know, was a man after God's own heart, a man who loved God, who wrote many of the psalms, ones of praise, as well as ones of confession, right? David, this man who loved God and praised God, was also a a man who was fragile and weak, And needed redemption, needing forgiveness, needing healing. Many of the Psalms, not only of David's, but throughout as we read the Psalms, we see that God's people, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of difficulties, found it in their relationship with the Lord to praise him. Charles Spurgeon thinks that David wrote this poem later in his life and for this reason he says he says we should attribute it to his latter years when he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon because a keener sense of sin than in his younger days his dear clear sense of the frailty of life indicates his weaker years and also does the very fullness of his praiseful gratitude Tim Keller describes this psalm in this way. It is admiring gratitude shines through every line of this hymn to the God of all grace. So I'm going to read this psalm, but I want us to stand as I read this psalm because this psalm generates our whole being to be involved in, in, in this psalm. So stand with me as I read. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for a man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love 
of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So let us read this together. Bless the Lord, all you his angels, your mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Please be seated. Father, we come this morning and we look at this hymn that is full of praise. And we want to bless the Lord. And so, Lord, as we gather around, as we look at why this psalmist, this psalmist David, this one who's fragile and weak and yet is renewed and forgiven, wants to sing this song, let us join in that praise. God, help us as we look at this text. Holy Spirit, renew us, encourage us, change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Many, many, many years ago, in fact, in the 16th century, Elizabeth Adamson from Scotland enjoyed the preaching of the Scottish reformer John Knox. Miss Adamson says this about Knox and Psalm 103. Because Knox more, more fully opened the fountain of God's mercy than others did, I was led to Christ and to rest on hearing this psalm. After enduring such agony of soul due to the racking pains of my body. A thousand years of this torment, ten times more joined, are not to be compared to the quarter of an hour of my soul's trouble. She asked for this psalm again before she passed away and encourages, it was in receiving in that my troubled soul first tasted God's mercy, which is now sweeter to me than if all the kingdoms of the earth were given me to possess. Do you hear that? It was in receiving this psalm that my troubled soul first tasted God's mercy, which is now sweeter to me than all of the kingdoms of the earth were given me to possess. See, even in her physical ailment and death at her door, she enjoyed listening and reminding herself of the benefits of belonging to God. This psalm God used to bring her to faith, but also to keep her in her faith. What about us? How often we forget the benefits that are mentioned in this psalm. The benefits of belonging to the gracious Lord. On Monday morning, the alarm goes off and the grumbling begins. Anything can invite our discontentment and our forgetfulness. A careless spill from our coffee mug that spills on the coffee. Or two dogs who do not listen to me in the morning where one needs to stay and one has to go out. Or the towering moments of laundry that is on your bedroom floor. Or a terse text from your spouse or a friend or a child or a parent. Before you leave the door or as you're out the door, you get then an office call that tells you the test results. Or you get a, something in the mail 
a bill that you were not expecting. We often feel discouraged and we forget the benefits of God. Even something as simple as a rain shower can unleash thunder clouds of our heart. Just a few hours ago, right, we were privately worshiping the Lord or we were with other believers. We were in our small group. And yet you leave still disappointed about what life has been working out for you. We have forgotten the benefits of belonging to God. We are much like Dory and Little Nemo. You know that cart, the animated movie, Little Nemo, where she says this, uh, she says this to um, Nemo, well, not Nemo, but to Marlon. He says, I forget things almost instantly. It runs in my family. Well, at least I think it does. Hmm, where are they? Where are they? Where are those benefits when we're faced with trials and suffering or little surprises in our lives? Where do we need to remember the good news of the gospel? King David writes this hymn to remind us not to forget God and his gracious benefits. So we need to ask ourselves, what are the sweet benefits we receive from God? That will help us deal with our discontent, our dis disappointments, and our frustrations. See, this Psalm 103, we see both personal benefits and corporate benefits of being part of God's family. We also see an exhortation to how we're to respond. So look with me again at verses 1 and 5, and we see the personal benefits of God. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We see David is saying, bless the Lord, what all my soul, all my innermost being I want to praise the Lord in other psalms we see that David danced unto the Lord his body and spirit are engaged in worshiping and blessing the Lord and where do we see that he first blesses what is his first benefit that, that David reminds us of he says bless the Lord oh my soul bless his what holy name David declares that God is holy and because God is holy, he believes that that is our path to our restoration. See, there's no other one like God. He is perfectly blameless, perfectly righteous, perfectly good, perfectly just. In fact, the prophet Isaiah proclaims, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, God is untouched by earth's stain and sin. And because God is holy, there is power in his holiness, and there's power to trust his blessings that he gives us. Because God is not bitter, he's not vengeful, he is not petty, but he is holy, holy other. So when we're faced with sin and difficulties, when we're faced with trials and suffering, we can remember that God is holy. 
And for followers of Christ, these benefits are even more pronounced and amazing with the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. And so because God is holy and powerful, when we face trials and sufferings, we can remember other benefits. And he gives us this list in verse 3, 4, 5. And what is the next benefit that he shows us? That He says that, that the forgiveness of our sins, he forgives my sins. David is being personal here. He, he looks at the magnitude of his sin and the righteousness of God. And he declares the, his deep appreciation of the magnitude of his forgiveness of all of his sins, past, present, and future. Friends, if you're in Christ, what sin are you wrestling or what sins are you wrestling? Remind yourself that no matter what, your sins have been forgiven. Celebrate the good news of the gospel. When Jesus came, his life, his death, his resurrection, and if you trust him, your sins are forgiven. They have been dealt with. Be encouraged by that this morning. Then he says in verse 3, he heals my diseases. Another great benefit of belonging to God is God's care for our body. David speaks of diseases, and it's not, not just merely bodily diseases, but all kinds of inward and outward suffering. He's communicating that God brings healing to us in this life at times through natural, scientific, and sometimes miraculous ways. In fact, some have suggested that David is speaking about spiritual illness, such as the burden of sin, but that is not completely what it means. I believe it speaks of diseases. He is saying that when we are healed, as we often are, it is God who does it. He is the healer of the body as well as the soul. He might not heal us completely here on earth, but one day we do look forward to being healed of all of our pains and sufferings in the new heavens and the new earth. That is a promise that will happen. Even as I think of our dear friend Rodney, who's who's dealing with an awful, awful illness. He prays faithfully. We pray faithfully that he would be healed because we believe that God could heal him. But even if he's not being healed here, we just see an amazing man of faith that he continues to hold on to God. He trusts the promises of God that he knows that one day he will be ultimately healed. A man who's trusting in Jesus day in and day out as he deals with the most horrible disease his holds on to the promise that one day he will be healed of that disease but not only that we see another benefit he forgives our sins he heals our diseases he redeems my life from the pit this idea of redeeming is one of release from bondage and it comes through blood you see god rescues us from death and from ultimate destruction. He at times rescues us from destruction and our day-to-day -day troubles. And he delights, in a sense, to redeem us from our sinful past. He delights to change us, to set us free from the bondage of sin, to set us free from the bondage of lust, to set us free from the bondage of gossip, to set us free from the bondage of lying, to set us free from the, the struggles and the idols of our hearts. He redeems us. So as you go through your day, remember that God is about redeeming you. That yes, you're forgiven, but he also wants to redeem you and to change you in the midst of your life as you wrestle with how to respond when your puppies do not listen to you. 
I was fortunate to be singing, bless the Lord, oh my soul, as I was like, ah. (laughs) But he's active in redeeming us. All of these are progressive, right? He's forgiving, he's working to forgive us, and he's done that in Christ, right? He's working to to heal us, he's working to redeem us. And we see in verse 4, he provides us, he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. See, God's gracious benefit extends beyond sparing us from sin, disease, or trouble. It also gives us to us in a positive sense. We are crowned with his unconditional love and undeserved mercy. This idea of steadfastness is forbearing. He's determined. He is loyal in his love to us. He will never stop loving us. He will see us through every aspect of our lives. That is a benefit, no matter what you're going through. His steadfast love does not change. He is always loving you and showing you mercy. Then in verse 5, he satisfies us with good things, or with good. To the result of God's work in Jesus Christ, both in what he saves us from, and what he saves us to, is to bring true satisfaction to our life. Now often we're looking for satisfaction in other things. You fill in the blank. I go after this, I go after that to make me feel good. But God is saying, no, because of Christ and your faith in Christ, you've been satisfied with something that is good, that is eternal, that is healing, that is gracious. You have given, you've been, you've been given the presence of God to live with you and before you. He satisfies your soul with good. And then in verse 5, He renews, the end of verse 5, he renews and strengthens our soul. One commentator says this, youth is renewed like the eagle. It means it's not implying that eagles have the power of self-renewal, only that God renews us to be young and lusty as an eagle, meaning the very picture of buoyant, tireless strength, which Isaiah 40 takes up when it says, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles and they shall shall run and not be weary and they will walk and not faint. Whatever burden that has gone on, whatever anxious thoughts or fears that you're dealing with, the benefit of belonging to the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ that he wants to renew you. He wants to strengthen you in those in those, in those areas. He wants you to realize you can cast your cares onto him and he can give you strength to continue to move forward in your faith. Forgiveness, healing, redeeming, satisfying, renewing. The poet, this great hymn writer David, calls upon his soul to arise to praiseful gratitude of God's justifying, redeeming, and renewing grace. And this psalm invites us also to call upon our soul to arise and remember, no matter what we are experiencing in life, and become praiseful, have a praiseful gratitude for these benefits that we receive in Jesus Christ. These are personal benefits that God has given each one of us who belong to Christ. We also see in verses 6 through 19, I will not read that passage again, but look at it above on the screens, we see some corporate benefits of belonging to the body of Christ. What are those corporate benefits? 
First, in verse 6, we see that he provides righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. All of us before Christ have been oppressed, right? We've been enslaved to our sin. And all of us, as we experience the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, have been freed from that oppression. But his goal is to continue to use us as a church to be about a ministry of of breaking and declaring the good news that breaks those things that oppress us in our lives. He provides righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, for all of us here today. In fact, verses 6, 7, and 8 has a a reference to to Moses and the work of God in the the work of of God's people during the time of Moses. Remember that it mentions the exodus that God released his people from bondage of Egypt. Remember they were enslaved in Egypt. And God delivered them from that slavery, from that oppression. And then they went to an area and, and God sent Moses to, to be away. He wanted to reveal his word to Moses. And as, as God was revealing the Ten Commandments to Moses, when Moses returned, right, what, what was going on? What were the people of God doing? Were they worshiping God? No, they were worshiping a golden calf. They were just delivered, a miraculous delivery. Blood was shed so that their kids could be saved and they could be then delivered. The sea was parted. And only a few time later, they're what? Not praising, blessing God, but blessing a golden calf. And yet, God is rich in mercy and is gracious. He continues to be with people like that to bring about his good news and purposes. Right? He does not leave them, but he continues to work in their lives. And we see in verse 8 and 11 that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Slow to anger. Friends, are you slow to anger when someone cuts you off in traffic? Or if someone in your relationship does something that you do not like? Are we slow to anger? Are we abounding in steadfast love? God is. What does it say? He, he does not always chide nor keep his anger forever. These are very human terms. And it points a contrast between God's generosity and the heavy-handed wrath of humanity. Who loves to keep grievances or quarrels. See, God is not that way. And we see that ultimately in Jesus Christ. All of these things. He has not chid us. He does not hold our sin against us. He removes our sins from the east as from the west. They don't touch, right, from the east, from the west. So far as your sins been removed. See, when Christ died on the cross, he took God's anger, God's displeasure on his own son, his perfect son, so that we would never experience that anger. That wrath. That in Christ, when he looks to us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And he does not hold our sin against us because he put it on Christ. See, this psalm is pointing us forward to Christ and his work. The good news of the gospel, the corporate benefit. See, 
I have that, but you have that as well. So when we're angry with one another, when we're upset with one another, we need to remember the work that Christ has done in that person that you're mad at, that you're perturbed at, that you're impatient with. Because that same love that, you, that God has for you, that he has for that other person in the body of Christ. But not only that, in verse 13, we see God's fatherly compassion reminds us that because of Christ, we now belong to God. We are in the family of God, where God calls us his very own sons and daughters. It continues to show the amazing, boundless mercy and goodness of God. See, the way that a good father cares for and even has compassion, or another translation, pities his children in their frailty and weakness. So the Lord pities, has compassion on those who fear him. And what that means, fear, in the sense of being in awe of him. It's not being coward, cowardly and sin, uh, fear of him. No, like he's going to zap us or to hit us. No, the a sense of, of aweness, of, of amazingness that a God who would, a God who's so holy, so wonderful, so beautiful, would love someone like me. That's a sense of awe, that sense of fear, that sense of awe that, that David is talking about here. See, we think of a loving father dealing with a tired children. Many of us have experienced that. He does not, a caring father does not demand more of them than they can perform. But with care takes into account their weakness. He comforts them and measures his expectations according to his wisdom and compassion. You see, our father never says to those who are in Christ, you never measure up. I don't love you. My love is not based on if you do this or do that. Our father, who, our compassionate father would never say that you're worthless. Our father would say, I would never call you my son or daughter. No, our heavenly father says the exact opposite. You're worthy because of Christ. You're accepted because of Christ. You're loved because of Christ. In fact, Spurgeon considers the many ways God may have compassion on his children. He says this. He says, God has compassion on our childish ignorance. God has compassion on our childlike weakness. God has compassion on our child, childish foolishness. God has compassion on our childish naughtiness. I like that old word. God has compassion on our childlike stumbles and falls. God has compassion on the pain of his children. As he sees us in pain, he has compassion on us. And he has compassion as our Heavenly Father on the child when another has been wronged, has wronged them. And God has compassion on the fears that we struggle with as his children. Our Heavenly Father has compassion, tender, gracious compassion on us and our journey with him he never gives up on us he always loves us he always accepts us because of christ see in 14 and 16 another corporate benefit he knows us personally and he knows our need for help and care he knows us better than anybody else in the world which can be a scary thought but that's so amazing right he knows us better than anybody else Yet he still invites us into a relationship with him. He 
He still invites us to come into his presence through Christ. He invites us because he loves us. In fact, the word here rendered frame in this passage is literally formation or fashioning. And it comes from the same root as a verb employed in Genesis 2-7 to describe man's creation. The Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground. It's also used for the potter's action in modeling earthly vessels. So in, this, so in the next clause, dust carries on the allusion to Genesis, and the general idea conveyed is that of frailty. We need care before, because we are frail and weak. In fact, verses 15 and 16 echoes that reality that we are like grass. But what's interesting in that, because God knows us, he knows us personally, he knows that we need help and care, it reminds us of Jesus again. It reminds us of the humanity of Jesus, that he became one of us. What does Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 encourage us? He says this, Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, Jesus understands our journey. As a human, being fully human, he understands our journey. He understands the temptation. He understands being um, persecuted and suffering and experiencing pain. We don't have a Savior who's not, un, not, un, who's not unable to sympathize with us. He can sympathize with our journey. And then lastly, a corporate benefit is that he has solidified for us an eternal relationship with him. Verses 17 and 19 through 19. David celebrated God's rescue reign from heaven. God is enthroned in heaven beyond the troubles and corruptions of the earth. His throne is established and will never be moved. David is reminding us. Further, his kingdom rules over all. There, there is an eternal contrast between the ruler and the ruled. There is no aspect of the universe that is not under God's eternal reign. Oh man, this psalm gives us so many personal benefits of redemption, of salvation, of renewal, of satisfaction in our relationship with Christ. He also shows us corporate benefits of, of a fatherly love, steadfast, eternal love, uh, a father who delights to show us mercy, a, a father who delights to secure our relationship, a, a father who, who delights to help us in our time of need. And if that is true, then when those little things happen like a spilled cup of coffee or a puppy who doesn't listen to you, God wants us even to remember his benefits in those times. And he wants us to respond like David responds in verses 20 and 22. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all places of, of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. 
Charles Spurgeon just declares this about Psalm 103, as in the lofty of Alps, you know, Alps, the beautiful mountain peaks, right, where one peak rises above all others, so among the inspired psalms there, is, there, are, there are heights of a song that top the rest. Psalm 103 is the Mount Rosa of the divine chain of the mountains of praise. As David meditated and remembered the benefits of God, all he could do with all of his self was to praise the Lord, to bless the Lord. And as we remember and delight in the benefits that we have received in Christ, we too are able to join the angels and all of creation, visible and invisible, to what? To bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Oh, friends, because you're in Christ, if you have a living, faithful relationship with Christ, this is true of your soul. That we, no matter what we are going through, can bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And I invite those who may not know this Jesus that you too can experience that if you come and, and investigate and see the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of God's benefits of being part of the family of God. He wants you to know of his steadfast, gracious love to forgive and restore and to justify and to heal and to deliver. Oh, may you taste and see that he is good.